All right. Very excited to have this guy on uh, with me today for JR Off Air. He is a man uh, that I met in, I believe, 2005, I want to say. He is my first real boss in radio, a guy that really uh, mentored me, gave me a real shot. Uh, He also is a professional voiceover artist. And you've probably heard him on commercials. I hear him. He's in San Diego. I hear him in Tampa all the time on stuff. Uh, he also is the host of the Lost Ballparks podcast, Mike O'Brien. What up, Mike? What's up, JR? So good to see you, my friend. Uh, so much to talk about. We haven't, I mean, we've texted a little bit, but we haven't caught up in a long, long time. Um, last time, well, when I worked for you, can I ask how old you were when, when you left iHeart? You know? uh 38 right. i think is that right 37 37 i'm 36 wow is that wild so by the way by the way before we continue it looks like you're uh broadcasting from a cd motel like with, with the, with the yes. shade in the background yeah. and- well listen i still work in radio yeah. money's not money's not great we know this right all right yeah. so that's all we can afford but i appreciate you this is a guest room that i'm in right now um, no one's ever in here cause you know, me and no friends, but that's another thing. It's another, that's a different podcast. Uh, but dude, I'm so glad that you came on and made some time. Um, but yeah, 2005, I think I was going to point Loma Nazarene and then I was taking an internship. I started with CBS and then I came over the woman that I was, uh, producing for love songs on Kixie at the time she got let go. I had to finish my internship. I come over to uh, Clear Channel now, iHeart at the time, and uh, you know was an intern in the promotion department. And I want to go. This, and this is what I want to do now. Uh, I want you want you to recall our first interaction, and then I'll tell you what I what my memory was of it. Okay. So our first interaction. I'm I'm a promotions intern, right. um, and I think I'm. And then we meet for the first time or introduce. Just you tell me, and then I'll tell you what I thought. Well, I just remember you being a fireball. Like you were just uh, like, hey, what can I do? I want to do anything. I'll just, uh, do you want me to do me sweep the floors and I'm going to be on the radio and I want to be on the radio and, you know, sign me up and how do I get started? And, and I was like, whoa, okay, slow down, <laughs> there, cowboy. Yeah. What, 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 what do you remember? That's all you got? Well, I don't, listen. I didn't make an I'm, impression? Listen, I'm 49 years old now. I don't remember <laughs> what I had for breakfast this morning. Oh my 49. Jeez. I'll, yeah. I'll try to keep, I'll try to keep this short for you. My bad. Yeah. I got a nap coming up here oh, quick, man. Um, all right. Here's what I remember. So we have a, we'll never be able to explain it and we still haven't been able to explain it. Um, we have a semi family connection. Yes, we do. Okay. So that's how I realized that you existed at, um, clear channel at the time and to know to come over there. Or I knew that I could maybe, I think, I think you gave, the information to, about the, the intern program to my, my aunt or someone, you know, gave it to my aunt. And that's what got me in the door to, right. uh, to whatever. And they're like, Oh yeah, Michael Bryan. Uh, he's great. You'll love him. I think they were calling you by, uh, your, your, uh, real name at the time. I'm like, all right, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and he, he runs a country station there. Now, is that Elisa's side or is that your side? That's my side. That's your side. Okay. Yeah. And so, so my, we- my sister-in-law. Okay. Uh, her sister is married to someone in your family. Is that who's married to Bobby? That yeah, her sister okay. is married to Bob. Okay, love yeah. Bob's awesome. Um, okay, so great. Um, so anyway, 
I, they tell me that I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we told them that you're going to be interning and are or, or you told, we told them that, you know, your name and stuff, a little bit about you. And in true Mike O'Brien fashion, just as before this podcast it took us about 45 minutes to get set up. I met you in the performance studio. Okay. And we had some, right, some, it was some concert or something. So yeah. A little art, an artist drop in, right. A little showcase. Yeah. Okay. You know, yeah. the, the little uh, artist visit. And so like I was helping set up chairs and I come in and I, <laughs> I go, Hey Mike, I go, I'm Jr. Uh, you know, and I dropped my aunt's name, uh, Hilda's nephew and uh, Bobby's cousin. And you're like, Oh yeah, cool. And you just kept walking and that was it. <laughs> I went, Wait, wait, what? I, I thought we were. I thought we were and just like, we're gonna have so like a bonding well, session. I, we're gonna. I thought the name might, you know, you know, go a little bit for you, and uh, nothing. And so then I met with, uh, if you remember the two, <laughs> the two ladies that ran the intern program. Uh, yeah. I met with them, and uh, I believe it was Tiffany and Ashley. Yeah. Yeah. At the time. So at so, the time. Yeah. 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 So I, um, uh, so I met with them, and I was like, oh, that's cool. And I was, and they were like asking me. I think I was doing paperwork to be an intern, and I go. Oh yeah, it's cool. And then, you know, uh, you know, Mike, you know, we're like in a weird way, like related through whatever. And, uh, I, I said hi to him. I guess he was just busy. And he's like, yeah, he said it, he didn't know. He asked who you were afterwards. <laughs> I was like, all right, this is ridiculous. So then I go, I got to find a way. And I'm, I'm, uh, shoot, I'm, uh, maybe night, night 20, maybe 19 or 20. And I'm like trying to be hungry about things. Cause I wasn't that hungry at that part. I was just trying to figure out the ropes. I, I think it was like a second day in there. And yeah. I was like, okay, well, how am I, I didn't even know there was an upstairs of that building at that point. You know, I was like downstairs and I don't think I had a key card. I was like, all right, well, how, how do I run into him again? And then how do I explain it? And I will never forget that, that I finally got to you. I'm like, Hey, my name's JR. <laughs> we have a weird, and then I had like really break it down for you. Like we have a family connection, like da, 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 da. And you're like, Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And I think you probably went home and talked to your wife to try to figure it out even more. That's because, I mean, I have chronic ADD. Just ask my wife. I mean, like it, it is hard for me to stay focused on any one thing for any long period of time. And so, yeah, I could just totally see myself as you come by. Hey, I'm so, oh, that's great. Okay. And then just, yeah. Well, and I should, I should be on medication. Well, the other thing is in your defense now, uh, being, you know, 16 years into this thing now of, in radio is I realized that those artist visits are so bam, bam, bam. They're trying to get the program directors, you know, attention. And then you got, uh, one of the, uh, you got your music director there and then you, you okay. Yeah. Let's get in here. Oh, we got people coming in. Oh, listeners. Are, I mean, I, now I know there's so many plates in the air on that. So I, uh, right. so I, uh, I, I totally understand now, but it was just a funny first interaction. I thought, man, I, I don't know if he, how, why am I here? How did that, how did they even find out about me? But it ended up being a really, really cool situation. Um, and uh, getting to work for you. Cause you were really, really a great mentor. And I have to shout out Jamie Steele. There's my dog behind me, Pete trying to do a show. Anyway, What's up, Pete? Hey, but also, uh, you know, uh, Jimmy Steele gave me a great opportunity, but I think you really, you put the word out, uh, for people to give me a shot. And, um, it was really, it was really neat, man. Cause I really wanted to work in country radio and, uh, cause I was a country fan. You happened to be at us 95, seven at the time. And, and we were, uh, we were exciting. We were booming when I got there and it was, a uh, it was an exciting time for that, for that frequency. And then, um, I was setting up tents at events, dude. And you know who really got in my ear and told me to make an air check? Do you remember? I don't. Sissony. 
Oh, yeah. Sisney, uh, I just was like trying to, like you were saying, I was trying to learn things and I was answering phones. Uh, remember Chacha doing afternoons on the top 40 stations? I was answering phones for her. And then I was trying to figure out how to do the voice tracker thing in the system. And of a, if people that don't know, making an air check is making a demo basically of yourself. And so I was just kind of messing around with it. And Sisney popped in and she was like, you should like put this together. Like you should, uh, you know, and I knew nothing. And she's like, you should put this together and give it to Mike. I'll introduce you to Mike. I think, I think I've met him twice, by the way, uh, at this point, <laughs> but, if, but I'm sure a third time wouldn't hurt at this point. <laughs> so, uh, she kind of encouraged me. And then, um, I came to you with, uh, my first air check and, uh, and then, uh, we were kind of off to the races and, uh, you gave me an opportunity. So, uh, do you remember any of that? Like our first sit down? Well, yeah, I just remember, look, I, I think the two people, um, let me stop real quick. Let me stop real quick. This is not just yeah. this podcast is just, I'm so glad to be talking to you. This is not to stroke me by any means. I just, I just kind of, a yeah, cool you thing. are great. You're such a good person and you're so talented. You're amazing. We make sure and we're rolling. Just, yeah. You're <laughs> tall and handsome and strong. <laughs> no, but I was, you no, know, it's no, kind of cool to think back. Yeah. I look, I will tell you that over the course of me being a program director, there were a couple people that I knew immediately were going to be successful in radio and specifically on the air because they were hungrier than any other people that I had trained. And it was you and Sisany. And for those who don't know, Sisany is on Kiss FM in Los Angeles, this enormous top 40 station with Ryan Seacrest. She is Ryan Seacrest's co-host. Yeah, she sometimes fills in when Kelly Ripa goes on vacation on TV. Yeah. yeah. So, and she started off going to San Diego State and as an intern, and she too was just like, "Hey, what what can I do?" Uh, yeah. And she was constantly in my ear about make me better. How do I get better? And so right. were you. And uh, you know, that's a lesson to anybody who's coming up, not just in radio, but in any walk of life. Right. Like, look, it's how how bad do you want it? You know, and, and I will, uh, I wanted to shout out Sisney for sure, uh, because of, you know, what she does now is unbelievable. She's got a whole family now. It's crazy. She was going to state and uh, partying and I was going to the Christian school and not partying. And, and I would drive her back and forth to concerts, her sister. She was so cool, but she was a big sister to me big time. And I remember when she first went to Kiss FM, she was frightened. She was like, I'm the only girl in here. Like that was her first full-time job was middays at the, one of the, arguably the biggest top 40 station in the world. In the history. And she, and by the way, well-deserved. She popped in there and crushed it. Uh, You know, you know, when, you know, as they say, you know, in talent, timing and opportunity, you know, all come together and there she was and she nailed it. And now uh, much deserved did middays. And now does is Ryan Seacrest's ghost. It's so crazy. And when I've I've texted you a few times when she's filled in with uh, uh, for Kelly Ripa, it's like, good for you, sis. It's awesome. But yeah, she was like a sister to me, but yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was a very, there was a lot of clowns in that, in that I, I, and I, and I have no problem. I'm not going to say any names, but I, there was a lot of people that did not want new blood in there. And right. you were not one of those guys. And Jimmy Steele was not one of those guys, but there were people on those staffs that were like, who are these young, especially uh, for, for a dude, who's the young dude that's coming over here and he's staying late and this and that. Well, and people like, feel people felt threatened. Right. I, and, and that's yeah. not, and again, I'm not, I'm not saying, Oh, I was the best and everybody was working, wor- but I was like, Hey, I was learning. And I really just wanted to learn from them because I saw people even like Jesse Lozano 
who was, a, you know, was kind of a, a, you know, a prodigy in that building, if you, if you will. He, I mean, I was, I was kind of trying to sponge it up from him. And I, I just kind of felt like that station specifically was very cocoon, like that top 40. And it was, there were some gatekeepers yeah. that were not necessarily on the same page as the guy who was actually calling the shots. And I just, I remember being, I remember people coming to me, Hey, you got to get out of here. You already said, you already did promotion. You can't be practicing to be on the air, kicking me out of the building. I'm like, well, I'm not, I mean, I'm an intern. I was an unpaid intern. I was like, what am I doing that's bothering you guys? You know, but, um, right. but you know, listen, I, that's, that's not, that's not crime your river, but I just, the contrast was having you and then someone we, I still talk to this day and now live in the same town as Cindy Spicer right. who was, was your music director or AP, APD music director, whatever. And uh, she was one of the nicest and still is one of the nicest people on the oh, planet. Yeah. And um, she's incredible and so freaking talented. I mean, to hear her, watch her do her thing, watch Sissini do her thing, watch you do your thing is uh, it was, it was a really interesting time because I was then working full time for you and still going to school. And it was, it was, it was a lot of fun though. We had a lot of good times. Yeah, we did. Yeah. The guy think about all the concerts and the different things. And uh, you know, I've got kids now, one is 21, 17, another 15. And I said, man, you guys grew up in the wrong time <laughs> because back in the day we had access to, all of these people, well, you still do, but right. back in the day, I, you know, had access to, uh, you know, I, do you remember when we were at the, on the backstage on the Ellen show yes, uh, with Carrie Underwood? Well, here a, we are a, in, very, a very young Carrie Underwood. Yeah. Here we are in Carrie Underwood's dressing room on Ellen. And I'm thinking like, like my kids would have eaten that up, you yeah. know, had they tagged along or whatever. I'm like, you guys were just born at the wrong time. But yeah, man, we had a lot of, a lot of fun. And the other thing about country, music and country artists is that uh, the, the guys and girls are, and, the, and the industry, they're so accessible. Got it. Right. Yeah. And they're, and they're genuinely good people. I can think back to the course of my time in country radio and think that there were maybe only one or two artists where I was like, yeah, they're just not a nice person. Right. Most, most are just genuine down to earth, good people. Yeah. I want to get into that in a little, in a second, but I going back to memories, um, and, and being, I remember you know, the first shift you gave me was uh, a voice track shift and people don't know what a voice dragon is. It's a pre-recorded shift, uh, big secret, not everybody's live, uh, but it was like noon to five or midnight to 5 a.m. And I remember- uh, Prime time. Prime, oh yeah, huge for, for all the druggies. Uh, anyway, so I, uh, I remember staying up late with my uh, roommate at the time in, in high school and trying to listen to it. I hope it saved. Right. I was all worried, you know, and listening to it. I was so, so green. Um, but you know, just trying to figure it out. And, uh, it was, it was a lot of fun. And I think you, you, you put me on like 6am to 10am on Saturday mornings. I hated you for it. Cause I was just had worked full time, was going to school full time. I was like, all right. And, you know, but it was, I needed to learn it and it was, it was great. And then it kind of graduated, but I remember the day you gave me, um, you finally let me do like a, a Saturday day shift. And it was a live broadcast from a concert that I got to do with Sissini and Cindy. Um, and it was, it was a show. I forget what show it was, but you know, it was like, Hey, you're going to be in the parking lot talking to people and all that. You know, that was when we were doing all that stuff. I mean, I feel like it's so watered down. You got less, you got less personnel and all that, but that was like, oh man. And then I, I got to do the pre-show from the station, then go out there and do stuff. And I was like, I felt like, okay, I had made it. And um, it not we, made it. We had a, we had a, you're right. We had a ton of people. Look, I haven't been in radio in over a decade. So I don't know what the personnel situation is now, yeah. but prior to everybody being fired in 2009, 
we had a ton of personnel in our building. I, at one point we had like 400 people yeah. in our building. I didn't and know so that. When you, when you had a concert, you could send out 10, 15 people to the yeah. concert. I don't know what that looks like now, but I'm sure it's not anywhere near that. No. I mean, we had 30 people on the promo staff alone, probably at one of those things, you yeah. know, in four tents and all that. Now it's, you're lucky to, and we had engineers. Now it's like, right. you better, you better know how to, you better know how to set up your own broadcast. I mean, we have that a little bit. I don't want to take credit from, uh, credit away from engineers now, but it's, uh, it's one of the things, especially during COVID, you had to learn how to do broadcast from home. I had COVID two weeks ago and broadcasted right from where we're sitting right now. And how to, you know, it's not that it's hard, but you know, the Comrex and all that stuff and learning that, but it, uh, it was a, it was a different time for sure. And then, uh, at one of those concerts, I got to do my very first interview by myself. And that person Who's it was with? Taylor Swift. Really? First interview solo by myself was Taylor Swift. She was wow. 15 or remember she was like Dakota Fanning though. Like you talk yeah. to her and you're like, this person's smarter than me now. You know, right. and I, I, I think I'm only, uh, I don't know, I, I'm, I'm probably only like five years older than her, but like, I just remember like that, you're smarter than me. We shouldn't be talking. You should be talking to somebody else. Like, but well, she was unbelievably we, smart. It just, yeah. you know, that maturity from a young age, you're like, wait, you're not supposed to be talking like that, but it was, it was crazy. When she first came out, I remember her coming to the radio station and she came into the uh, conference room. And so it was me, Cindy Spicer, who you just mentioned, um, their record rep and Taylor Swift and her mom and Taylor's maybe like 15 at the time. And the song she's promoting is Tim McGraw. You know right. that song? Yeah. Like what her very first song she played it. She was great. And then Scott Borchetta, mm-hmm. who's the head of the record label, who has been on American Idol and people might know that name. Uh, Scott called me that day and said, Hey, what do you think about Taylor Swift? And I said, well, I think she's, <laughs> Good. I think she's okay. I think, but I think she needs some work, you know, I, you know, maybe give her a year or two. I wouldn't rush into things with her. And he said, Mike, in a year or two, she's going to own the world. Well, fast forward a year later, she was playing at, at the time, I think it was called course open air theater or whatever. And, uh, it seems Mm 20,000. So here she is played for 20,000 people. And I see her backstage and she said, she came up to me and she goes, Hey, you still think I need another year or two? Good for her. Yeah. Now I'm embarrassed. So, I said, I'm embarrassed. I said uh, that you were my mentor. Wait, so, clearly I had, talent? so so that is why I'm not in radio anymore. <laughs> that right there. Yeah. Well, and, and people who don't know who Scott Bruschetta is, let's just Taylor Swift, I believe was the first act to that label because she's, he started that label and said, Hey, uh, you know, and basically the, one of the most amazing deals that artists don't get now because she was such he, a prodigy. He pushed all his chips on yeah. Taylor Swift. He a hundred percent believed in her. And then now that label is the Florida Georgia Lions of the world and the uh, uh, the Thomas Rhett's, which is another sub label under that. And, you know, yeah. just anybody big you can think of is usually on that big machine record label now. But yeah, Scott Rochetta, he he uh, saw something and I everybody wanted her in Nashville. And he somehow said, I think he just said, hey, I'll give you publishing. I'll give you this. I'll give you, I don't know the exact deal, but I think he was this is going to be worth it at some point. So, uh, yeah. And here, you know, Taylor Swift is who she is, but here's a fun fact for you. She, um, and I just heard this story not too long ago. Do you remember who she was on tour with at Coors Amphitheater? Was it Rascal Flats? It was Rascal Flats. Do you remember who the middle act was? Your mom. Okay. Listen, let's get out. <laughs> Let's get off the mom jokes. I just got off yours. All right. All right. So let, all right, come on. Let's say, Hey, Hey now. 
You you went down that one. You went down that road. Uh, What's the, happening? The middle um, act was Kelly Pickler. Oh my god! Taylor right. Swift was the opener. It was Pickler, Rascal Flats. They brought another person on that tour. Rascal Flats, also someone under the Big Machine label. They had also they had an opener on that tour that they kicked off for going over time too many times, and that person was Eric Church. Oh my gosh. Isn't that wild? Yeah, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah, they kicked him off the tour. Like, dude, you're going over time every... And then he's like, oh, you know, you know how he is. He, he's like, well, get out of here. Because Rascal Flatts was the biggest thing in the world at that time. Oh, yeah. And I will say this, that one of my favorite parts of working at Country Radio at the time was having those people come to the station mm-hmm. and then just sort of guessing. Right. Are, are they going to be huge? Oh, yeah. And then I, I remember when Zach, the Zach Brown band came to the radio station. And again, it was a situation where it was me and Cindy Spicer, and they played us a couple of songs. And I was like, they are insane. I, I, that was one I got right. I said, they, they're, they're incredible. It's funny because I talked to, and I won't mention a name, but one of the head of, the head of programming for Clear Channel at the time, and I said, I really think Chicken Fried is going to be an enormous song. And more than that, I think this, this is like the band of the future. And he said, oh, you're crazy. He said, this is mm. a one-hit This is a one-hit wonder. And he told me, don't play their song. It's not worth it. Wow. Yeah. That's insane. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, you just said you, you we just talked about, um, we joked around about you missed one and you got another one, right? And that's what's so crazy about it. What's going to pop. And I think the other thing about that is with Taylor Swift and Zach Brown, they were so out of pocket for his country. Right. It, it was like, wait, 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 wait who? What, Taylor Swift. I mean, she's writing her own songs and she's a kid and she, you know, and that was, that was kind of the, the shift. And then that was, that was, you know, Carrie Underwood had, I don't think she hadn't even popped yet, had she? I don't I, think. I, 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 well, okay, I think Idol was 06 for her when she won or something like so that. So maybe. So right around in there. But, but yeah. that, that was like, she, she wasn't the, the Carrie Underwood that you know, obviously starting out, but it was like a shift in what country music was about. It was, you had your Rascal Flats, which were kind of giving you a little bit of the pop vibe. Then you had Carrie who could just sing like nobody's business. Yeah. Um, and then Kelly Clarkson, she, you know, kind of went to country, but she was in top 40 at the time. We were playing her on the other station. And then when you have these people that, that it was kind of a shift in sound too. And it's done that multiple times. I think it's, I think country radio in general is just a cycle of things. You all of a sudden you get the, uh, the new wave now of uh, the older sounding kind of um, traditional country sound, you know, t- a lot of Texas artists and that country sound, it's kind of going back. It's like fashion. It always repeats itself. It just keeps right. going on, as you can tell, the way I'm dressed. Um, but it just kind of repeats itself and over and over. But it's 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 fascinating to see the people that come through, and you go, man, I don't. I go, wow. I go, that's. Uh, I didn't think. I didn't see that happening. I didn't see that song. Or man, I knew that song was going to be crazy. It's. It, that's what's really. It, and like you said, the accessibility that you have with country artists is unlike any other. And I worked. You've worked in other formats. I've worked in other formats. And you just they are trying to be blue collar people because they're talking to a blue collared crowd and yeah. it's, you better be relatable. You better not be above us. This is, you know, there's no, yeah. you know, the flyover States are there. That's their markets. That's what they want. You know, now there were a couple instances where I could tell like the, the artist was not going to change who they are and they didn't give to, you know, what yeah. about it, it being in uh, one of them was Gretchen Wilson. I mean, I was, oh, yeah. I was, I was scared of her. I, I mean, remember Gretchen her walking to the building. She walked to the building. She would come in and she'd be like, like, when is this going to end? 
you know, but flip, but flip the script on that. And like the week after that little big town had come mm. to the station and we ordered Rubio's, which I don't, do you guys have Rubio's out there? No. Great. Right. Mexican and by food. the way, and, and for anybody, Oh my gosh, you live in San Diego and you're saying that's the best, uh, that's great no, 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 Mexican no. food. I'm saying it's good. The, the, saying what, what we've realized here is radio's always <laughs> been cheap when it comes to ordering food for the staff and or yeah. acts. Okay. Go yeah. on. Yeah, so I'm just it, saying it was probably local. trade too. It was probably trade too. <laughs> we got it for free. Yeah, exactly. So little big town comes to the station and the, you know, and we sat and just were eating tacos in like this back, you know, storage room somewhere and mm. talking about music for uh, an hour. Yeah. So there's a huge difference in, um, and some artists, I mean, and, you know, to Gretchen's credit, she wasn't, she wasn't about to change who she was for anybody. Mm. But she also was kind of doing her second lap on things too. I mean, yeah. she was it was she wasn't necessarily a new artist. I think she had been she had a few scars. I think that we've, when she was coming through the second time and and was not ready, yeah. not playing the, I, I you know it was kind of the too good to be doing this radio tour. And for people who are listening that don't know, it's these artists like the Taylor Swift and the Little Big Town that we're talking about. They come and they literally visit as many country radio stations as they can around the whole world. It's not. You have to go in, you got to do FaceTime and you got to, you got to do the whole deal. And it's, uh, especially back then before the zooms and the virtual concerts and all that, you got to show face and, and come and, and, and to their credit, they're sometimes playing three, four stations in a day and everything, they got to be super interested in who the staff is and they got to know by their name. And like there, that's a, that's a, that's a whole skill in itself too, on the other side of the table. And we would get, Thank you cards. I still have thank you cards from Taylor Swift and Carrie Underwood. Right. So they would sit down after one of those tours and write these handwritten notes out to yeah. people that they had met at the, at the radio station. And it's smart marketing on their part, because when you have that connection or feel like you, maybe it's just in your head, but you feel like you have a connection with the artist, you're more likely to play their song. And you're rooting you're for star. Yeah. You're pulling, you're, you're like, Hey, let's make this happen for you. Yeah. That, that it's exciting. It's a, it's the greatest format. I really do feel that way. Um, I go back to some of my first shifts, uh, for you. <laughs> so if you get hotlined by your program director, that means that he's heard something that probably he didn't like, or he's worried that something's going on or the station's off the air. So I'm doing a six to 10 shift. And in San Diego, they have these dinner cruises and it's called the horn blower cruises. And we used to give away those things all the time. Mike, if you recall. Oh Yeah. Uh, and so it was a big thing to go in the San Diego Bay, San Diego Bay. Well, I don't know what happened. It was just one of those breaks where I could not say the word hornblower. So I was trying to say coming up and like at six to 10, we weren't giving away tickets anyway. I was just teasing for the rest of the day. And so I think it was like eight o'clock or something. You might've been taking one of your kids to practice or something. And I, I go, all right, coming up at 10 o'clock today, we're going to have a horn, horn. We're going to have horn, a horn, we're gonna horn. And then, and I literally, and I literally said, I'll, I'll try again in a second. And I just let the song go. <laughs> and, and I, and I, I, all of a sudden here comes that big light. Pop, and it goes, and you go red. Cause it, yeah. Cause there's a phone inside the studio and there's a red light, you know, that would blink. Oh, okay. So like, and a ticker and a ticker yeah. hotline, hotline, hotline. Yeah, right. Yeah. And I answer, I go, hello. I go, Oh man. I, I go, hello. And he go, are you okay? And he just, <laughs> Cause it sounded like I had a stroke. And I, I, I wish I would have kept that air check, but it was like, I could not say the word hornblower for whatever reason, just till it got caught up on it. But it was like the one time that you were listening earlier on a Saturday morning and it was hilarious, but 
you never, I mean, there's a lot of people that would have called and ripped me a new one, but I, you found the humor in it and you know, it was, it was hilarious. Are you okay, man? Exactly. Exactly. Do I need to come down there? Take you to the doctor? What's going on? (laughs) What's happening? Are you still standing? (laughs) Yeah. Press one. If you could still hear me. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, those those are fun times for sure. Um, we got to give some love to Cindy. Cindy Spicer uh, is one of the most fascinating people I think I have ever known. Worked around, talented to say the least. But you know, yeah, let me tell you. Go ahead. Let me let me tell you how that began for me with Cindy. So this would have been like 2000, and I wasn't working at the country station at the time. I was working at a station in San Diego called Mix ninety five point seven. And we needed someone to do middays. Well, someone said, you should call Cindy Spicer. And I'm like, great, what's her number? And like, well, she doesn't have a phone number right now. And I said, why? They said, well, because she's, she's on a boat and she's traveling around the world on a boat. And I'm like, what? Her and her so husband, she, yeah. Yeah, so for two years, she left radio and bought a sailboat and literally just kind of cruised around the world. And they said, well, she's coming back into port um <laughs> like like she's I, back from tour <laughs> right yeah and i go oh okay so i called her at once she got back and we ended up hiring her and yeah i mean it was a no-brainer like she is so good at what she unbelievable does. yeah she's so great and now she works uh she was it's funny she goes i saw her not too long ago at a concert she's like what or right when i moved here i, I she goes i guess we're competition or whatever but like in, like in a funny way you yeah. know and, and i was like are you kidding me right now, Cindy? You were my first music director ever. Music director ever. I could care less that you're wearing a different shirt than me right now. Like, are you joking me? Come on. We're on the other side of the state somehow or of the country yeah. somehow in the same right. city. Impossible. I mean, but she is so talented. And then remember, she did that again. She went to Costa Rica with her husband. They decided they were going to go right. there. Oh, that's just, right. Yeah. I, I, what was their project? Were they just going to go? I, I forget what they were going to do there. Start a it business seems like they or, were going to build... I could be wrong, but I, it seems like they were going to build like an Airbnb or something okay. or, you know, like have a place where people could come. But yeah, to, I, I love her and her husband, Rick, because like they are the a lot of people. To, a lot of people talk about, oh, I'm going to do I'm going to do some amazing things, yeah. dude. You won't believe what I'm going to do. I'm just going to mm-hmm. and like imagine if you and I were sitting right now and I said, hey, JR, I'm going to go sail around the world in two weeks. I'm just going to sell everything and buy a boat. You would go. Yeah. OK, sure you are. No, but they did it. Yeah. They're, they're such cool people still are, by the way. Um, yeah. she, she hit me up not too long ago looking for your info. I don't know if she got a hold of you, but yeah, she did. To, yeah. good, good, good. Yeah. Um, well, we talked about my start. Let's talk about your start. Cause you actually have some, um, interesting stories, uh, especially when we get to Santa Barbara, but let's talk about like where it all started for you before that. Well, my favorite story to tell now, this is uh, when it was black and white, right. And radio. Right. And was, you, no, you, I wasn't you, even you ready. Had, you was, had to hold the antenna. SOS. SOS. Morse code. Yes, Morse that's code. right. I remember that. So yeah. this is World yeah. War One or two. Well, right, I forget about that. It was pre one. Pre one. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Cool. So Thank you for your service. There. Thank you for your service. Eighteen sixty eight <laughs> was where we all started. No. Uh, so when I was in college, I went to Asbury College in Kentucky, and my junior year, I came home and I was waiting tables at Olive Garden. This was like the summer of either 92 or 93. And uh, they were filming a movie at the local oh, penitentiary. Yeah, they were filming a movie at the local penitentiary. And I'm like, oh, that, that's cool. Well, one night, while I'm waiting tables, it's a Friday night at Olive Garden, Hospitaliano, 
I was yeah. great at my job. I was a great waiter. I could see that. And uh, in walks Morgan Freeman and like this entourage of 20 people. Now, on a Friday night in Mansfield, Ohio, there's literally no place to go but Olive Garden. You can go to Burger King. At the time, there's a restaurant called Ponderosa. And there is Olive Garden. So everybody okay. comes to Olive Garden. The wait is like an hour and a half. But I see him and I see an opportunity and I'm like, oh, you guys need a table. Let me see what I can work out. Well, I move them to the front of the line and immediately get them a table, this huge party. And I'm like, I want to cash in my chips on this as soon as they leave. I'm going to let him eat. But as soon as he was leaving and walking out, I go, Morgan Freeman, excuse me. I, I'm a communications major in college. I'm like, I'm totally stammering through this. And I said, is there any way that I could interview you on the set of your movie? Perhaps, maybe. And he goes, uh, and he pointed to someone in his entourage and he said, take his name and number, um, we'll call you. So the guy took my name and number and I thought, okay, I'm never going to hear from him. Well, the next day, a guy from Castle Rock Entertainment, which is who was producing Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. That's the you, movie. Anytime you see it on TV, they're showing that in, in the front of the film. So yeah. 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 Uh, calls me and says, hey, look, I don't know what kind of voodoo you put on Morgan Freeman. He's done one interview on the set of this movie so far, it was for entertainment tonight and you're going to be the second. So wow. he goes, you know, come down tomorrow to the penitentiary at 11 o'clock and you better know your stuff. So I go to the library cause there's no internet. There's no right, Google. Right, there's nothing. Right. Yeah. I go to the library and I'm pulling out magazines and researching and I've got all this paperwork and I'm, you know, I spent all day there. And the next day I end up at the set, and uh, I got to watch them film a scene in the uh, the recreation yard. Sure. Uh, and then we go back to Morgan Freeman. I walk back with him to get his makeup taken off uh, and the makeup trailer. And then we go into his trailer. And what was this guy from Castle Rock Entertainment, by the way, was a jerk. He's walking me with Morgan <laughs> Freeman. We walk into Morgan Freeman's trailer and the guy's standing there like this. And he goes, all right, kid, make it quick. And Morgan goes, hey. It's fine. You can go. Wow. So he dismisses this guy. So now Morgan Freeman and I are sitting in his trailer and, and it, he's on one couch. I'm on another. He pops open an ice cold Diet Coke, pops his feet up on the table, his coffee table and says, okay, kid, what do you want to know? And I said, well, I bet that after this movie gets done filming, I mean, it's been a long shoot. You're probably going to go down to the Caribbean. And I named the actual port where his boat was docked and said, you're probably going to hop on your boat called the Sojourner and have some time to relax. He smiled a big smile and said, damn, kid, you know your stuff. Nice. I love that. Yeah, so That's it was chills, great. man. That's chills. Dude, it, it was honestly, it was incredible because Tim Robbins was on in that movie. Oh, yep. And so I, yeah, I got to watch Tim shoot a scene that day. And then Morgan Freeman busts out some peanut brittle that his aunt had sent him. I spent probably 35, 40 minutes with him in his trailer. Wow just shooting it. And it was incredible. I mean, I, well, was, I mean, talk I about intimidating. Me. Yeah. Intimidating yeah. guy. I mean, that's not like you just sit down with somebody and how did you, so you said, no, you, you didn't, you didn't obviously know internet or whatnot. How, where was that stuff published? So it's in, so at the time we had something called microfish. Do you remember microfish? No, they had, they would put magazines. I'm super young. Sorry. They would put magazines and newspapers on this film and you would have to literally scroll through the film 
Okay. And, and find, and there'd be these card catalogs. So you could look up someone's name and, and figure out where the oh, I remember seeing were. those in my history books when I was in high school, but yeah, I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> but it took, but it literally, I mean, it to get stuff that would take you a half hour today on the internet. It took all day. Wow. So good for you, man. Remember, That's so cool. I remember you telling yeah. me that story. I forgot about and that I, though. And I didn't know, nobody knew that the movie would be huge. Right. And right. the time of the, the movie, the title was called Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption. Uh, you might remember that in the film, they have mm -hmm. a poster of Rita Hayworth yep. on their wall. That's what they kind of tunnel through. Right. Um, they ended up changing that later, but um, yeah, nobody knew it was going to be huge. But then when it came out, people were like, whoa, yeah, you know, it's one of the best movies of all time. What had he been in before that, Morgan? I'm trying to remember. How would you have known him before that? Uh, kind of putting you on the spot, know. but yeah, I don't know. But, but I mean, the fact that you, because I thought that was like his big, big break. It was that, if it I was, remember correctly, I mean, I mean, he had a couples, but that was, I mean, that was the, that was a big one for him. I thought. Yeah. I'll go to the library today. Well, yeah, you can go find one of those things. Fish. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of those set up for me. Wow. What a cool story. So then you, you, all right, you got, you, you got to come back on campus feeling pretty good. Oh yeah. I'm so where, my... so where does that interview go? Where did you do with it from there? Or was it just written I, interview or did you record it? I recorded it. Oh, you recorded it. Okay. Yeah. And it just stayed with me. I mean, cause I, I was part of my like senior project. And so basically it aired in front of my professor. You win. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> An audience of one. Right. Oh my gosh. So cool, man. Yeah. So then where That's, do we start? Where do start making this uh, profession then? Uh, so graduated from college and then went to, I was working at a, uh, a top 40 station in Mansfield, Ohio called Y105. And did like just, you know, like part-time overnights on the weekend and then got a job offer to go to Billings, Montana in 1994, September of 94 to do seven to midnight at a top 40 station. Mm. And that was awesome because listen, back in the day, again, there's no iPods. There's no, there's no, you know, music on your phone. Like if sure. you want to hear, you want to hear a song, your favorite song, you got to listen to the radio. So people Absolutely. like the, re the request, I don't know what it's like now. Again, I've been out of radio for a long time. But back then, we would get 100 to 200 calls a night wow. from people calling in, requesting songs, wanting to talk about music and whatever. It was crazy. And how old were you in Billings? 22. 22. And you were, was it a country, you said, or a country station? No, top 40. So top, top 40. 40. Man, if, yeah. if that would have been today and Yellowstone's going on on TV, you would have been the biggest thing yeah. ever out there. Right. <laughs> I don't know if it's right. I think it's like Bozeman or something else, but oh man, that is so cool. And then you make it from there down to Santa Barbara. Is that the next Santa move? Barbara? Yeah. So in 99 or 96, uh, moved to Santa Barbara. That's quite a change of scenery. Oh my gosh. It was cause it got, I mean, it's so cold in Montana from the, in fact, the day that I got there, I was looking to get out of there. Wow. I'm like we got, we got to figure out a way to even come from Ohio. Oh yeah. It's so much colder than Ohio. Okay. And I'm like, this is a gots to go situation. So sure. I, from it, but it took me two years to the day to get out. Wow. And th then I got hired um, by a, a, like a hot AC, the adult contemporary top 40 station in Santa Barbara in 96. And yeah, Santa Barbara, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's like one of the most beautiful places in right. the world. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think, and one of my favorite uh, stories about Santa Barbara is how you became an overnight meteorologist. It was unbelievable. The fastest meteorologist education that's ever been had by anyone. You yeah, also so, knew a weatherman. 
So our radio station was right next door to uh, the ABC station, the ABC affiliate in Santa right. Barbara. And one day their weather guy just decided he was going to leave or go on vacation and they had nobody to fill in. And I knew someone at the TV station and they called me and they said, what do you know about weather? And I go, nothing. And he said, great, come on over and I'll show you how to do it. And I'm like, wait, what? Yeah. So the next day I was doing their morning show mm-hmm. and uh, it was from like six to eight or something like that. And from three to six, I had the weather channel on <laughs> at the TV station. And I just sort of memorized everything that they were saying. You right. know, we got a, got a cold front uh, through the Western panhandle and, you know, moving up through here and there's a warm, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So uh, I, I had no idea what That's I was so saying. Funny. And I, I remember one guy calling me one of the times I was filling in and he said, Hey, I'm really curious. There is some crazy cloud structure that's happening outside right now over the wharf here in Santa Barbara. Can you go outside, take a look at that? And let me know what you think it is. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, hang on. So I put him on hold. I come back and I'm like, what do you think it is? He goes, mm-hmm. well, I'm, so I'm sure it's cumulus nimbus. And I'm like, yeah. you are right on the money. That is exactly <laughs> what it, it is. You win. <laughs> yeah, you win. That's a great call. Oh my God. But it was freaky. There was one time where we had a, a terrible firestorm that was coming through Santa Barbara. And so I was on filling in uh, on their noon uh, news broadcast. And, the, and I told the anchor, I'm like, I would tell them off the air, you know, I know nothing about weather, right? right? So please don't put me on the spot about yeah. some crazy weather question. I, she goes, oh yeah. Okay. Well, sure enough, we come back from break and she's like, well, we got a firestorm and it's, and it's heading this way. Mike, with a high wind situation, what could that do to the fire? And I was like, Oh my gosh. And wildfire well, and wildfires in Southern California and in Santa Barbara are a big, big deal. I mean, we're talking million dollar homes. Serious I mean, business. They can do serious stuff. Yeah. So I was like, Well, if it gets windier, <laughs> <laughs> I go, I could be it could be bad. It could get hot. <laughs> yeah, it could get hot. So We'll keep an eye on it for you. <laughs> make it to you, make it, man. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. So, so then, um, it, are you, did you do any management there or did that San Diego yeah. kind of the oh, first Oh, I did manage- a little bit. I did a little bit. Okay. Yeah. Then you come to San Diego, from Santa Barbara to San Diego? Yeah. Okay. And then and the, are you a PD right away or are you just talent at, the, at first? Uh, I think I was a music director and assistant program director at Afternoon Drive. Okay. Mixed night, mixed Mix 95.7. And we were the, the best mix of the, make sure I'm saying this right, 80s, 90s, and 70s. Why did they do it that, that way? I don't know, but it made my wife crazy. She almost didn't want me to take the job. She goes, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. And I'm like, yeah, I don't disagree with you. That's so, people that are listening, that's called a position statement. So every station has one and, you know, you hear your favorite station, New Country Hits or whatever. They try to do a position statement like that, but that doesn't even make sense. It's not even chronologically correct. That just, that's weird. I think they were like, hey, we're going to really mix things up here. And uh, we're going to we've yeah. checked. We've checked the research. We've done the studies. And uh, what we found is that people like to be a little confused about what they're listening to. Yeah. Wow. And then that obviously that frequency flipped over to the what became US 95.7. Right. Wow, yeah, that man. happened pretty quickly within a year. Were you were you right there, the PD or the, you were the first PD of that station? of US I 95? was. I was, um, but there was a time, there was a period of time for like a, like six months. We were trying to buy another country station and it was on 99.3. Is it and KSOI? The, 
No, no, 99.3. It was like hot country, 99 point. It became oh, okay. Bob. Bob oh, okay, 99.3. Okay, got it, got it, got it. Yeah. Okay. And so the deal wasn't going through. So there was a time for six months where I had no station, but Mike Lickenhouse, who was the general manager at the time, kept me on staff doing stuff. And I wasn't making a nothing salary. I had a pretty good salary and I, mm -hmm. I felt bad. I'm like, dude, are you sure? You? He's like, yeah, you know, you've been good to us. And I'll never forget that guy. I thought that wow. was like the coolest thing. He just kept me around for six months and he'd be like, um, maybe you can help out with this research project. They sent me to Atlanta for a couple of weeks to help with the radio station there. Uh, yeah, it was crazy. Wow. And but then, eventually yeah. we get that station and then we flip that station um, to a different frequency, moved the oldie station at the time to, I think, 99.3. And then we launched 95.7. Now, going into that, I mean, that's obviously a huge deal. When you launch a radio station, you're flipping it. You're going to get a lot of pushback. I mean, you're flipping it for a reason, obviously, because there's something going on with, with uh, ratings or uh, not being able to sell it or, or whatever. What is the expectations for obviously to make it successful, but like, is that, what were the, what did they tell you that we need you to do right away? Was it all about bottom line or was it, cause you had a heritage country station there. Yeah. So when that's still there today. And I mean, what were, what were their expectations out the gate for people that, you know, I mean, that's, they're handing you the keys to the, the kingdom right there to, you know, figure it out, I guess it's gotta be intimidating. Uh, it was. And I think they, I don't think they had the idea that we would win right away. Mm -hmm. But they wanted to consistently chip away and take enough share of the other station that we could be successful. And we were for a while. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, it's really hard to unseat someone who'd been there for, I think, 30, 40 years. Wow. You know, so people yeah. just knew that other station. Uh, they were synonymous with country. And you know, it was difficult for us to we did at first make a little bit of inroad. But, yeah, it, it was hard to sustain that. That's one of those things it's hard to judge too at first because you know people are taking a peek like what's going on over here if you're a country fan and then you're trying to figure out how would i how do i bring this format in a different way to the same audience that's that's tough or you you carve out you know another another uh age group or demo but yeah that's it like you said those heritage stations and country fans especially so loyal i mean uh -huh. that's tough i don't know i right. don't know i wouldn't say maybe and this is not a knock. I just think there's so many other options, you know, with streaming and stuff like that. I don't, maybe not as loyal, but I mean, when you get them, you get them, you know, cause they, you do just like, you know, we talked about artists having that kind of relationship. You really do have that relationship with listeners. If you do it right, I think. Right. Yeah. Cause you're connecting with music that is supposed to be very, where they feel they're connected to the artist and they know the artist. And then if you somehow become a liaison where you go, Oh my gosh, you talked to that guy today on the air or whatever, then you become you know, kind of in the middle of there. And it's, 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 that's why that format for another reason is a, is a great one. So that's a, uh, that's cool, man. I, I, I didn't know. I didn't think I knew all the, um, that you were kind of in limbo there for a while with no station. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. It was crazy. You must've um, been making a pretty good salary. Cause I remember going to Rubio's with you one time and oh, yeah, I thought, nothing's too I, good for you. I was very excited. And, uh, I, you know, I think we had talked about you, maybe you said, all right, I'm gonna have you fill in for afternoons for me you know, whatever, which is a huge deal for me. I'm in college. Like, that's oh, so cool. And we're going to let you be the assistant producer of the morning show. Oh man, that's great. And you're going to make, um, $22,000 a year. And I'm like, boy, do I get benefits? No. And I go, Oh, okay. Well, okay. Anyway. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, this is cool though. So I got a, I got a salary and I'm in, you know, whatever. And so I thought I'll be cool. Like I'll try to, I'll try to, uh, buy you lunch and I'll never forget this either. You said, 
I make a little bit more money than you. I got it. <laughs> That's what you said. <laughs> I'm like, all right, well, I was driving a nice guy. Whatever. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's so funny. <laughs> oh man. Well, we, you know, we, and then we go, um, kind of walking us through, I, I hope, I hope people are enjoying this because we're kind of walking through our whole lives here, but it, it's, uh, it's just interesting how things evolve. And then we have to talk about another part of radio where you're trying to innovate. You're trying to figure out a way to deliver unique experiences for the audience. So if that is like, we talked about these artist visits coming in and, uh, and you get a chance to be in front of a little big town and you know, they're going to be, or a Taylor Swift in, in more than a meet and greet, what can you do to make it like, Oh my gosh, I, I, you know, us 95, seven, let me go to a sound check and this and that. And like, you know, you're trying to create all these unique experiences. Yeah. I will never, I won't forget, uh, your great idea for a art auction piece. Um, when we went up to the Ellen show, you're like, Hey, and I, I think you, I mean, of course you found out at last minute. That's how you always are. You called yeah. me like, Hey, I'm picking you up in 30 minutes. We're going to Ellen in Los Angeles, which we were in San Diego. That's two and a half hours away. If, if there's no traffic. Easy. Right. And so I'm like, all right, all right, I'll be ready. So I met you like off the freeway and, uh, you know, talk about this amazing, uh, promotional idea that you had to create a unique experience for somebody. Well, yeah. So I was thinking, <clears throat> You know, what can we do with her time that Terry we Underwood. can, yeah. yeah, that we can, um, you know, use to, yeah, create some experience for some other listeners. So we went, I think we stopped by Michael's, mm -hmm. which is like a craft store. We picked up a canvas and some paint and we brought it with <laughs> us. And so I interviewed Carrie in the dressing room. Right. She's great. She's super, was super cool then. And I said, uh, after we were done, I go, hey, would you do me a favor? At some point, we might want to auction something off or give something away to a listener would you mind just painting something and she looked at me like what like she had never been asked obviously never been asked that before she goes well, i'm not really a painter i go well that's perfect just paint whatever you think so she takes uh I, she might even used her finger right like she put stuff i forget what it was but it was embarrassing no doubt <laughs> yeah and she just kind of did some there's a smiley face some, i think oh you well you okay some, go on yeah she did some squiggles and yeah. uh and then she signed it at the bottom. We ended up auctioning that off. And do you know who bought that? I do, my but you father tell us. <laughs> my father-in-law father bought it and it's in their house today. <laughs> he is so proud of that. Yeah. Like he'll be like, yeah, that's right there. There's that's Carrie Underwood's art right there. And it yeah. literally is just like squiggly. It's <laughs> squiggly the best. Line. It's the best. Yeah. I remember it because we were in this green room and obviously She's excited to go on the Ellen show. She could care less about us. I don't know. Right. Were we with, um, who was that rep? That was like one of our favorite people ever. Um, well, was it Lori Hardigan? Yes. Lori. Yeah. She's still in the yeah. game, by the way. She's awesome. Yeah, she's great. I love So Lori. she was, she was, she was a fan of you and, uh, you kind of got me into that situation, but I, but I, I, um, if I, when I see her, it's, you know, our connection is, is through you, but, um, she, I think she, she knew that we were goofballs. Like she knew what she was getting to. So, cause we were, she was doing her, the way they filmed the Ellen show. I think she did her, her performance first and then was going to come back and then do the, um, do the interview in front of the audience or whatever. But um, we were doing like right now we're in Carrie Underwood's shower in her dressing room. Right. And like, and you're acting like I, I came like, like I film me and I'll act like I'm showering. And I think, oh, yeah. had, I think you had your shirt off even then like, they're like, Oh, sorry. I didn't see you come in there. Yeah. <laughs> And like, I'm like, I just is... want to be 
I'm like, I just want to be clean for when Carrie comes back and, you know, we're able yeah. to talk. And, and, and we're like, this is before you could like throw something up on YouTube very quickly. So it's like, right now we got to get back and we got to edit it and upload it through this system and all this stuff. Oh, yeah. know, I mean, I'm like, it was what? so clunky. <laughs> Which so would have, clunky. It would have made it, it would have been great now, even. I mean, the, by the way, the content still gold. Still that gold. Is, oh, absolutely. Still gold. <laughs> but I think so she was, good. I think even Lori, who she was like, hey, like you know that Carrie's coming back in here. Like, this is still her. Yeah. <laughs> She's the celebrity, not you guys. I'm like, down. oh, wait, okay, we should get out of the shower then. Yeah. And I remember that she yeah. was doing the squiggly lines and I made a joke or something like that. She goes, Oh, you must be like the funny guy at the radio station, huh? <laughs> I was like, sorry. <laughs> I still have that picture, by the way. I got like big so curly hair. Like, I wear like yeah, a, you I wear like a buck sixty probably at the time. Um, but yeah, that was that was a hilarious moment where it was because you're trying to do those things. And I mean, and and by the way, it was your your father in law has a great experience that he'll always remember. Now we wanted yeah, that we wanted that to be for somebody that you know would be a fan of the radio station forever. We already had your father in law because he knows you. <laughs> we were trying to maybe yeah. bring in some new blood. But yeah. that's so well, funny. That's so funny. Well, you know, so we took our, we took our, what was that thing? A flip, uh, oh, what was the name of those cameras? Was it flip? Uh, I don't remember a flip camera or something. Oh, I know what you're talking. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was a flip. They was were a, orange. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Skinny. And so then we one car. Take, yeah. Yeah. We yeah. Could take that with us everywhere. And then we would just try to be like, we were probably so annoying to artists. Cause oh. I would be like, all of a sudden backstage, Hey, we're with Brad. Mason. Yeah. Brad, what's going on, dude? Yeah. One time we're at the, um, at the Del Mar fair and Leanne rhymes is playing. And I told her manager, I'm like, yeah, so we want to come back and we want to interview her. We've been doing these kind of behind the scenes videos. And he's like, Oh great. Yeah, we'll do that. Well, so we walk in with this little tiny flip <laughs> camera and he loses his mind. Wow. Leanne rhymes manager. He's like, Hey, I don't know if you know who she is. This is freaking, and he didn't use the word freaking. This yeah. is Leanne Rhymes. Okay. We're not bringing in your stupid little Mickey Mouse, you know, whatever that thing is. Yeah. I thought you were coming in with professional cameras. And I'm like, oh hey, yeah. slow down, cowboy. Yeah. I don't think that guy's in the business anymore because no. all the cameras they have now. Yeah, but, seriously. But, and they've cracked down on that quite a bit. I mean, just because of the, the way the world is, you know, everything's on, on camera now with phones and whatnot. But yeah, it's, it's a, uh, you know, you're trying to have fun. You're trying to make it a, a unique experience. And the other thing is we talked about it is you're trying to make, you got to make, you don't want an annoying artist because every, you know, Joe Schmo and whatever, whatever city. Oh, Hey, uh, we're here with that. You're trying to be a normal person around this right. person, not be starstruck, make it fun for them. So they'll remember you and want to do more stuff. But at the same time, there's just a fine line. Cause some, some people are just like, just don't get it. Like, Hey, this, they, at the end of the day, they want you to play their songs. <laughs> you know, it's right. like they're great yeah. people, but they've done this for 40 stations the last 20 days. Like give them a break, you know? Yeah. But it, sure. that, that's so funny, man. I, there's so many things like that. It's just, I mean, it's the stuff that we used to do <laughs> even at the, you know, let's go out to Jr. at the tailgate. What are you doing out there? And this is before like cornhole and all that. I don't know. I'm just counting the beers in this cooler. Like trying to figure out something yeah. to say. And like, right. by the way, your amazing direction. Hey, just, uh, go out there and I'll, I'll send it to you in like a couple minutes. And right, what do you want me to say? I don't know. Just go talk to somebody. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I was like, all right, I'll go talk to somebody. And you know, of again, course I get the one guy that wants to talk on the air is the guy that you don't want on the air. Cause he's boozed up out of his mind. Right. Like, yeah. Oh my gosh. 
And that's why I'm not in radio anymore right there. Oh, no, you're no, super talented, dude, man. I learned so much from you. And, and then, you know, full circle. I mean, then we, t- I took a break and I went up to LA, did some acting things and whatnot, and then came back and we, we kind of reconnected uh, when you're doing mornings over at uh, Sophie 1037. But um, what I think was really interesting is your, the next phase of your career. I mean, because, and this is, this is not a knock, but you're kind of reinventing yourself at 37 and you're saying, okay, and I remember you telling me this and I'll let you tell the story. Someone uh, doubted you that you doubted you that you could actually make a career out of being a professional voiceover artist. Yeah. It was a record rep. I won't say her name. Please do. What, 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 what the, artist? First, the first letter begins with a P. So she knows who she is. Wow. Okay. So what label, what label? She, I don't remember what label she was on at the time, oh, honestly. Tell me later. But I, but so I said, to, she goes, Hey, so what are you going to do? I heard you lost your job. And I'm like, yeah, I think I'm going to try voiceovers. And she goes, oh, really? I've, I've never heard anybody make a living doing voiceovers. I, I don't think you're going to be able to do that. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, I did. And, yeah. you know, I ended up making more money than I ever did in radio doing voiceovers. So I, wow. yeah. that was like, you know, everybody needs like a little fuel, a little inspiration. And that yeah. was just one of those moments that I put up on the, you know, like they yeah. do it in uh, football locker rooms when the yeah. other team says something bad about the team and they put it up there for everybody sure. to see. And yeah. So that inspired me, but I will say this, Randy Cox, who we worked with um, at, at the radio station, mm-hmm. when everybody got, when all those people got fired that day, he took me out to lunch and he said, he was the one who said to me, have you ever thought about doing voiceovers? And I'm like, eh, not really. And he's like, well, you, you should think about it. He goes, I've got extra microphones. I'll bring stuff over to your house and we can figure out a setup. Well, he did that for me, came over to the house we created this like little makeshift uh, studio in my closet. I remember it. And the hall, and the hall closet. And uh, yeah, I'm forever in that guy's debt. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that was, that was huge that he did that. Cause I, it, doing voiceovers wasn't even on my radar. Now doing, doing voiceovers and growing that business. Did you, I mean, I know that you said that you had some fuel, but did you, did there were, did you see anybody else that was like really doing it? Like as far as, did you see it? Like, did you ever, did you think I might have to go get another job at some point, but I'll do this to make ends meet or. Well, like, when we got, when, when I got fired, I had nine months of severance. Okay. That's so nice. I had time, I had time to figure it out. Okay. And I had time to kind of, I, there wasn't like anybody that I saw that I, well, I want to be like that, but I had time to sort of find my voice and figure out if I was good enough to do this and didn't have to rush into it. You know, the worst place you can be when you're auditioning for a voiceover job is the, as they say that have to get it read, Mm -hmm. you know, the, Oh, I, I need this job so bad. Like you can hear the strain in someone's voice when they're trying too hard. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't have that because I had time to figure it out. Um, yeah. And so I will tell you this though, I auditioned for 700 jobs before I ever got one. Wow. So I, there's a quote that I, have taken with me all through life. It's that persistent people begin their success where others end in failure. Mm. And that is never more true than in voiceovers. And for me personally, I just, I knew I had in my mind, I can, I know I can do this. I just have to figure out a path. Yeah. And you know, there was a time. To- yeah. Go, go ahead. ahead. Oh, I was going to say, say I, go ahead. Finish your, finish your thought on that. So there was a guy who ended up uh, producing videos for Facebook and Google and we were kind of on the path at the same time. He was in uh, producing videos and I was in voiceover and he reached out to me and said, Hey, I've got this 
job for Facebook and another one for Google. Would you be interested in voicing it? I'm like, uh, yeah. Sure. And man, we both sort of took off at the same time. And then people started saying, I want the guy from the base, the Facebook commercial. Who is that yeah. guy? And, uh, and that's how it happened. Yeah. You got me into it for a little bit. I was doing it for a little bit too. Um, and, but you, you just have a, such a smooth delivery. I mean, you really do, uh, and a very distinct voice. And, you know, I always give you, uh, give you crap, but you, but being so conversation, uh, conversational on the air as a, as a DJ, I think it, it really played into your strength of not only having a very distinct voice, but having a very conversational delivery where it wasn't the movie voice guy. It was, and oh, we'll do your quote that, cause you used to, you used to add a little bit on scripts where, you know, where it might be oh, starting yeah. with. Uh, you might start, be starting with the, you went, all right, so listen, the, and then you go <laughs> into the script, it, yeah. but right six, but that sticks out, you know I mean? And if you're the, all right, so listen, I'm not saying you did it on every lead, but that read, but that, I think that got you in a very conversational tone. And I think that stuck out and it always stuck out to me because um, I picked up a lot of that stuff from you, even when you were used to do commercials for the radio of how you would approach things. And by the way, people to this day make fun of me for how much I talk with my hands. And I credit you for that. I don't know why I picked it up from you, but I, everybody's like, man, it, like, even when we're on the air and we're doing like a phoner with an artist, I'm like, all right, so what we got going? And, he's, and they're like, why, why do you have your hands up? No one can see you. And I'm like, I don't know. I, my, my first boss, he always did that. I don't know why. I, it was like how he emoted. And I guess I emote the same way. But, but no, I, I, I thought it was very cool. I thought it was a very e easy, I wouldn't say easy, but just I thought it made sense, the transition to me, for you to be yeah. doing that. Well, and at that point, when I started doing that, okay, so look, when yeah. I started doing that little so perfect. thing, it, uh, there was something that happened. I started to gain traction. Yeah. yeah. So it was, it was great. It's funny you should say about the hands too, because my third grade teacher wrote in my yearbook something about me talking with my hands. I used to always bug me about that. Yeah. I, I'm like, well, I don't know. Hey, that's how I get work now. <laughs> I know. Well, you probably still do it in the, when you're in the booth, alone oh, yeah. voiceovers, you're still doing it. Oh man. yeah. That, and that's another thing when, you know, you're cutting commercials or whatever. It's, I don't know. It's just how the way I get into my rhythm of being conversational. I act like I'm talking to someone, I guess that's the, the big deal, but um, that's, it's really cool, Mike, that you, um, <laughs> you uh, were able to make this career and who knew that it would be more, you know, not only rewarding, but, you know, changed kind of changed the life of your family too with this business. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, thank goodness I found it. I mean, next year I'll have two kids in college. Dude, insane. Two. One of his kids goes to my alumni, which is pretty cool. That's, that's, yeah, that's right. pretty awesome. Yeah. yeah. And that I remember with uh, Jake, he was playing travel ball all the time or something like that. And we, I remember going to the cages with him a couple of times and, and he's just such a little guy. And then, uh, and then you're like, Oh yeah, he's going to point Loma next year. I'm like, what? I know. And all, those old jokes, all those old jokes I made, I went, oh man, I'm there. I'm there now. <laughs> that's that's all right. On, yeah. On me. So that yeah. was full circle. Um, and now you go into this podcast that, that I just found out. I actually saw your wife who, po who posted about it. And um, I see you, you know, booking these art or not artists, booking these, these guys talking about lost ballparks, which I want you to explain in a minute. But, you know, I've got some friends that are real sports uh, nuts and my producer as well, just a, a story when it comes to sports. He's been listening to it and loves it. He's, he's oh, right on. loving it. So you got three listeners. So that's good. That's, that's all you need. Right. All you need is three. three. Two more than last week. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> no, how did this come about? I mean, because I know that you are, you are an old baseball Sports guy. I think you had, did you have paintings at one point of some old fields? 
Uh, yeah, so I did. I do. I paint. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, I it was inspired by Carrie Underwood. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It comes full circle. There, man, this is, this is what we do. This is what we do. Circle. Yeah. No, but t- so tell me, I, I knew you had a draw to this a little bit, but I didn't know. So in 2012, I started posting on Facebook uh, pictures of old ballparks like Ebbets Field in Brooklyn, the Polo Grounds, old Yankee Stadium. And I would post these unique characteristics and details about the ballpark. And I'm like, I, I don't know if anybody else is interested in this, but me, but I'm just going to do it every day. I started doing it. Eventually I was like, wow, a lot of people are actually interested in that. Um, then I went to Instagram, then on Twitter. Now we have over a hundred thousand followers on tw- uh, you started the Twitter account. Yeah. Well, no Twitter. I started a couple years ago. So collectively on all three platforms, we have like 115,000 followers. And, and this, this they're managed by you and you started these. Yeah. How'd you yeah. promote them? Uh, I don't, I just, it was wow. like word of mouth. Yeah. It kind of spread like wildfire. It's crazy. For you. And so at some point I thought, well, you know what? I did radio. I've got this booth behind me. Right. So I have access to creating a podcast. Why not do a podcast where we have old players, old broadcasters on talking about their experiences at some of these ballparks. So a few weeks ago we launched um, and the, the week that it launched, we debuted as the number one baseball podcast in America. Good for you, man. Uh, yeah. So we, it's fun. We had Mike Piazza on last week. Uh, Rod Carew is on next week. Wow. I was talking, I was ta- telling you before we got uh, connected here on the, this podcast that Jim Palmer is coming on this week. I'm recording him this week. It'll air in a couple of weeks. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Yeah. So it's fun. It's fun. And it's, it's, it, it lands for people. And then and for some reason they have this, it helps them connect to their past, to their childhood, to their parents, maybe who have passed on their grandparents. Mm-hmm. Well, I think yeah. it's, I think another thing about it too is um, uh, it's an, it's an, I think all successful podcasts is the niche. If it's either your delivery of how you are on the air or, or, or not there on the pod, or if it's the, the content that is such a huge thing. And that is such, so niche for you. And you know, if you have that following and people get it like, Oh yeah, I want to hear more about this. And, um, my, my producer, Kevin, he was was telling me that he liked it. He listened to the Piazza one. How did that, how did you book him? How did you, how did, how did that work? uh, The turning point for me was on lost ballparks. When I started to have these guys follow me, then, cause you can't like on, I don't know how it works on every platform, but I know on Twitter and Instagram, I can't message them mm. unless they, unless we mutually follow each other. Okay. Right. Or they won't get it. Like on Instagram, it gets hidden away somewhere. Right. Yeah. So Piazza started following me. Then Scully started following me and I'll, yeah. So all wow. these guys started and then I was able to connect with them. Rod Carew started following me and then I, I just reached out. I mean, well, these guys would love to talk about their careers and their experiences. And Piazza was great. Like yeah. he was just, yeah. And so then it snowballs because then Piazza knows somebody and Rod Carew knows a couple other people. And, Dude. Unbelievable. Yeah. Mike, good for you, man. Everything you touch. Yeah. It's been fun, man. On. Honestly, it's been fun. And it's, is and it's just you. Are you, you're just doing this. It's just me. It's a okay. lot of work. Are you getting Vin got, on? What's that? Are you getting Vince Scully on? So he and I have gone back and forth a couple of times talking about him coming on his, you know, he's 93, 94. So I'm not sure how much he, of this stuff he's still doing. He wants to come on. We'll see if it happens. Does he have, does he have a team that's kind of protective over him or is it just him that uh, you're talking little, to? 
Oh no, it's a little, he's both. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that, that's iconic, you know, growing up in Orange County and being an Angels fan, but my grandfather was a Dodgers fan. My, maybe the, one of the best media memories I ever had was I was an intern for the Padres. They played the Dodgers and um, I worked with Tony Gwynn and Matt Baskersian just as an intern. They had, they had a hundred interns a year, but for the whatever amount of weeks that I got to do it, uh, you know, I got to go up there and I sat next to the stat guy and got the hand, you know, notes over to Matt Baskersian and then Matty V. And then, um, and then Tony Gwynn, I got to go get him cookies. Legitimately. I would go get yeah. him cookies. Like, hey, give me a couple cookies. I go over there. I swear. A lot of cookies. Uh, a lot of cookies. And uh, yes. very nice guy though. Super nice. And I, but my, one of my best memories is I walked in, I knew they were playing the Dodgers and I walked into the clubhouse and, um, and I was, and I, I that's awesome. That's, that's good for the podcast. Uh, that's very good, Mike. Thank you. It's great. You're doing a great job. Tell you, do you know how many times that happens when I'm doing a voiceover? Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. About a thousand a day. <laughs> Does anybody want two dogs? No. Um, so I got one. Behind the chat down there. Yeah. <laughs> no, but the, um, but I remember him, uh, Vince Scully, who, if anybody doesn't know, he was probably the, maybe the most iconic, play-by-play baseball announcer of all time. Have you ever, if you've ever heard a, a voiceover like by Matthew McConaughey that gives you chills, you, if you're a sports fan and you heard Vin Scully talking over something, it would bring you to tears. That's how like his, how distinct his voice was, how distinct his delivery was and probably still is. Um, I remember him holding court Padres people, uh, uh, beat writers for San Diego, Dodgers staff, and he just sat there and, and he just telling stories that nobody knows but him. That's the craziest yeah. thing. It's like these insane stories that he has been able to recall. And that was made it so great on the air is, you know, let's say Mike Piazza's up. Well, he's going to tell you what Mike Piazza, what, how he dinged his car on the way in or when he was yeah. parking. Yeah. I was parking next to, you know, I was parking next to Mike this morning. And he says, that's the second car he drives only on Tuesdays. And you're like, wait, wait, what? And he, yeah. and there was a rain delay. He could make, a puddle in right field. Interesting for an hour. He was amazing. Oh, yeah. yeah. And so the very first person we had on the podcast uh, was Carl Erskine from the Brooklyn Dodgers. Okay. Who Vince Scully used to call his game. Sure. Vince Scully w- called games at Ebbets field in the fifties. So um, Carl Erskine's 95 now. Mm. And he's telling me stories about pitching to Willie Mays wow. and Joe DiMaggio. And I mean, that's captivating. Yeah. That, yeah. So hopefully Ben will come on. We'll see if it happens. I would love it. Yeah. Is it, did you make that connection then through your first guest then with Ben or? No, no, no. Through Instagram. Ben started following me. <laughs> he runs an Instagram. Yeah. Somebody's got to run his Instagram. <laughs> well, sure. I'm sure someone does. I, I but he, like, he, but he's, he's on it every day. He said, sup bro. When he started following and he knew it was Ben. He said, new phone. Who dis? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, good for you, man. That's so cool. So it's called Lost Ballparks. If you want to check that out, um, yeah. definitely do it. That's so cool, man. That is really, really neat. I really hope you get Vin on. But uh, I was going to say to follow up that Padre story, uh, they were doing a three-game homestand. So I called my grandfather, who was the giant Vin Scully fan, and uh, got to introduce him to him. That was a cool, like one of the coolest things. I ever oh my gosh! And I was like, Mr. Yeah. Scully, I just want to introduce you. And they, um, they're about the same age too. So it was kind of, it was yeah. so cool. But, um, cause That's I mean, my, awesome. my, um, my mom, uh, members, my, my father or my grandfather taking her to see Sandy Koufax play at Dodger wow. stadium and stuff like that. So yeah. that was a, that was a big part of her childhood. And then obviously 
when, um, for my grandfather, but yeah, man, that is, that's really, that was a really neat idea that you had. That's great. I love that that worked out and I'm, I'm happy for you. I, I mean, I hate that you're successful and all that, but that's cool that it's wait, what? And, uh, mm-hmm. but I actually, I actually copyrighted lost ballparks a few years ago. So <laughs> I'll be sending you a check. <laughs> just kidding. What's going, going on? No, just kidding. Um, well, dude, I don't want uh, your agent gave me a hard time out. Um, he said that, <laughs> which one, which God. one JR? Are you all solo now? Who? Are you, are you still with agencies? Or are you all solo now? I do, but I don't talk to them much. I don't. Yeah. Do you know who my agent yeah. is? Who? Brad Samuel. No, I, yes. I love Brad Samuel. Guys. Let me tell you something. Larger than Brad life. Samuel, larger than life. So much energy. Still. And if I needed someone to represent me for the biggest meeting or pitch of my life. Yeah. And I haven't talked to Brad in years. Yeah. That would be the guy I would call. Yeah. So he's pretty. You know why? Yeah. I know he would get it done. Yeah, he does. He, he, he's he not, does. He, he would not be walking out of that room without making it happen for me. It's, it's wild. He's, he's, he's been very lucky to work with him. I, I will tell a quick, uh, Brad Samuel, was he the director of national sales at, or what was he? What was he when we were? I mean, the director pretty, of sales. He yeah. was pretty high, high up. And it was, oh, it yeah. was and he, well, they were kind of starting to talk. This is back when we worked at, uh, um, at iHeart now, Claire channel back then. But it was, um, it was, uh, we had some meeting where they were trying to get us to really push out content. And I think the, the digital sales part was coming and whatever. And, you know, uh, for those that don't know, Mike, uh, who you are a very, um, um, conservative person. Like you're not a person that swears a lot or anything like that, you know, and you, and you, uh, you kind of, you're very delicate with what you talk to people and stuff like that. You know, I, I, but in, the reason I'm saying this is to set up Brad because yeah. Brad, oh, yeah. you know, the opposite this, of that. yeah. So, so, which is the, which makes him great too, you know, and there's yeah. not a lot of people, because some people could be like, oh, this guy's just vulgar but there's a way that he does it somehow. And I, I mean, I could never do it and I don't necessarily want to, but there's a way that he does it that commands a room and you kind of want it gravi- You want to gravitate towards it a little bit. And I remember him coming into a meeting that you set up. Hey guys, we got a uh, Brad Samuel going to come in. He's going to talk to you about content recreating. Um, so are you guys doing okay, by the way, H- how's your kids? Are they doing great? Here he comes and he goes, what the F is up, everybody? What's going on? You guys doing good, baby? How you doing? Oh my God. I didn't even see you in that dress. You look great. I just like, I mean, total, total, um, uh, uh, John Ham in, uh, the advertising, uh, Mad Men. Matt, total guy. And then yeah. wearing just a thousand dollar suit pinstripe down. And he's a, you know, a, a behemoth of a man anyway. And I just remember yeah. looking at your eyes going, oh, did the mood of this place change? <laughs> You're thinking, oh my gosh, HR, what's going, what am I going to do? And then he's just running it. All right, Mike, I'll see you. I'll see you efforts later. Just. <laughs> All right, he was crazy. He's, he still yeah. is. He's the greatest. He's the greatest. Love Brad. He's a good dude. All right, man. Well, what else is going on? What, tell me real quick about the kiddos. How old is Maddie now? Maddie's 15. Ryland's 17. 15. Yeah. 15 years 21. ago, you left that kid in a car. And I had to tell you that oh, your child yeah, was in a car that you left. Thank God she's okay. She's fine. Crazy. That's a great story. We're in your back. <laughs> we're in your backyard shooting hoops. And your wife comes out and goes, Mike, were you going to go get your daughter out of the car? <laughs> <laughs> it's my ADD. God bless that woman, by the way. Yeah, please, seriously. Please tell her hello for me. All the crap she's put up with. Jake's doing well. Yeah, he's like a Loma. He's good. 
Yeah, loves Point Loma. Tough, tough 2020, though, obviously, because that experience kind of gets a little dampered. Yeah. That's a bummer. But I hope masks he stays. And, yeah. yeah. But he's, he's good now. Did, he stay, did they stay on campus? Um, part, partly for a little bit, yes. And then, uh, then a little bit, they had to be at home. Yeah. Is he on campus now? Is he a sophomore? He is, junior? yeah. Junior. So he's on what, campus uh, now. Where is he living? Uh, what begins with a W? Wiley. Wiley. That was a good yeah. one. I think that's the co- is that the co-ed one? I think it's the co-ed one, isn't it? Uh, I remember correctly. Maybe not. I, I was the young, anymore, I was yeah. the one on the wa- I was down on the water. That was I had oh, the young yeah. hall. That was mine. That was that was that was a good time. And I had yeah. three roommates. They two. Uh, I had two roommates. And being three, two, both of them dropped out. Then it was just me in a three man room by myself. Ocean front. Well, that's pretty. That's a pretty well, good deal. Well, then you start looking at yourself, going, "What did I do?" <laughs> uh, because these two people have dropped out of school, moved home. I ruined right. their, I ruined their college yeah. experience. You ruined their life. Yeah. <laughs> and then Rye, he's uh he's volleyball. His, is his main. Yeah. He's a volleyball player. What is, is, where's he, is he just, at, is he in high school still? High school. Yeah. Goes to class. Junior, senior. Ju- a senior. Dude, is he going to go play? Next he is. Yeah. Where? Vanguard university. Yeah. Goes to Mason. Absolutely. My parents are yeah. graduates. Are they really? Both of them. Oh my gosh. How both fun. of them. It was called SCC at the time. Southern, South coast, uh, Southern coast college, something like that. But they're both graduates yeah. of that. Funny. That's amazing, man. Small world. Well, brother, it, there's no reason that I need a zoom call to talk to you. Yeah. I mean, come on, let's go. Let's start a podcast. Let's do it. I don't know what it's going to be, but okay. So look, we've talked welcome about everything. The, welcome we've to the talk- podcast. Talked about everything. Oh, let me ask you one more question. This is something I, a question I get all the time and I'll, I'll leave it with this. Hardest interview you ever did. It could be, it could be country or it could be out of country. Uh, probably Sarah Evans. Do you remember her? Really? Do I? Sets in a bucket? Come on now. Yeah. I don't know why it was really, really difficult. Like if she didn't want to be there, she wasn't interested in being there. Maybe she just had a bad day. I don't know, but it was tough. Yeah. What, yeah. Was there any, anything else that sticks out? Uh, about that interview? No, no, no. I'm sorry. About another one that might stick out for you. It's an um, artist. And by the way, this is not a knock on any of these artists. It's it's just you get sometimes it's just a you just your catch vibe them on a day. Or your vibe doesn't match their vibe, or they don't know how to make it make it, a, you know, what to make of you. Yeah. No, most of them were good. Yeah, I can't. There haven't been uh, there was a, cool a guy when I was doing top 40, there was a band called the New Radicals. Oh yeah. You you get what you give Absolutely. was the name of the song. Yeah. Yeah. And that guy was not a nice guy. I mean, maybe he's a great guy now, right? Yeah. I mean, he's reformed his life. Yeah. But at the time, you know, I remember interviewing him and just, hey, so man, I'm really excited about the song. Tell me about the band. Like, it's good. I'm like, bro. Oh, and another one. Okay, so John Corbett, who was on Northern Exposure and was in my big fat Greek wedding. Okay. Um, he came in to promote that, that movie, My Big Fat Greek Wedding. And during the interview, he was literally reading a magazine. So he's got, you know, he's like this. And I'm asking him questions and he's like, yeah. Uh-huh. What a clown. Oh, yeah, dude. It was awful. And I'm like, all right, well, that's, I appreciate you coming by. I'd ra- listen, I, I don't know if it's just, I'm, I'm, I'm a bigger jerk than you, but I've had those situations where I'm like, Hey, I, I'm going to go. I don't need to be here. Like, Hey dude, yeah, I'm, you're not doing me any favors. You know, I was doing this to try to promote you. 
But if you don't right. want to do this, that's totally fine. And right. uh, I mean, I'll, I'll say uh, my hardest one, which it wasn't, it wasn't that this person was a jerk at all. It just was, this is, he's just, a, an, um, his personality isn't a, let me jump in and I'm all hyped all the time and trying to do something different or playing a game with them and, you know, almost taking a Jimmy Fallon approach to it, you know, and like excited to be around them and, you know, not fanning out, but, you know, realizing, hey, I'm just talking to you as a dude or I'm just talking to you as a friend, if you know, if it's a female or whatnot. And Trace Atkins. Oh, hard. this dude is up six, six. Boys like boys like this. So I'm talking to him in Vegas, Radio Row, ACMs. And I'm like, I'm trying to crack this. And I'm a co-host I used to work with. I'm like, I don't, I, I don't know. You know, so, hey, man, how are you? Da, da, da. You know, this and that. And, um, you know, and he didn't really have new music out. He was just kind of a guy. He, he, I don't think he had any, because, you know, honky donk, donk, donk. That was going on, yeah, right, you yeah. know. And he was, he's buddies with Blake Shelton. And I think, I think he might have been performing with Blake at one of those things. And he f- said something that finally unraveled him. Like, so come on. So Trey Sackens, because he's like this big burly dude. What are you doing? You know, a uh, Tuesday afternoon, hanging out at home with your wife or whatever. What are you doing? And he goes, well, I watch my 600 pound life while I'm eating dinner. <laughs> all those obese it's about all those obese people i watch that too <laughs> you and trace yes uh, you should talk to him no but yeah. and I, I go wait i go whoa 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 and i go because you know when you interview someone the greatest thing about it is being if you listen you're going to get something from them you can go down another road that you didn't know and right. he said that and he said i go wait a minute you eat and you watch this while you eat and he goes well i mean i guess if you, if you look at it that way it was hilarious. And just start going down that road. It was yeah. hilarious. I was, I was, I go that it was so tough to crack the egg. And then all of a sudden, bam, it did. Yeah. How about who was someone you're most shocked by? I mean, Morgan Freeman's up there, but I mean, we're shocked by how cool they were. David Bowie. Really? Yeah. Super nice guy. Like it was felt like I was the only one in the room and he was, he, Great listener, great conversationalist. Um, and, and to this day, I think the person who's the best at that is Garth Brooks. He still is. Uh, he really is. Garth, he still is. Garth, Garth Brooks was doing an interview with us and uh, talked to, our, met our engineer, who at the time was Dean. His name was Dean. I remember Dean. Yeah. And so he ended up doing like 30 other interviews around this giant room. And on his way out three hours later, went past Dean and said, Hey, see you later, Dean. Have a great week. Yeah. Like, dude, you just talked to 30 other people in addition to all their people. And you remember this one guy's like, he is the best. He and really what is. you see, what you see is what you get. He's not Always. putting on a show. He's just well, a good dude. And that is what's suspicious about it because you go, what this is a, this is a robot. I mean, a very genuine person. Like he's so genuine. You're like, okay, when is this going to break? I want to, I want to see this guy kick a trash can on his way out, so, but it's not, he's always yeah. super complimentary to people around him. And, and you would think he was a new artist. That's what's so crazy is when you meet a newer artist and they're like that, you're like, have you not seen the guy that's, that does, uh, you know, you know, 10 million tickets in a year. Like, do you not see that guy, how great he is? That's why he has such a big, I mean that, yeah, he's, he's amazing. Garth is great. And uh, I think Blake Shelton was an awesome and uh, Blake Shelton was a really cool interview, but my top was Will Ferrell. That oh, was my, yeah. I went out to uh, Temecula and did an interview with him. Super cool guy. And, you, and he was really shy at first. And he was, <laughs> good Lord. 
This is great. This that means this thing is over. Is what that means. <laughs> All right, Mike O'Brien, oh, Lost, Ball, Lost Ballparks is the podcast. Love you, dude. So glad to talk to you. You are the man. Love you too, man.